can't talk now because I'm recording. Hiya, this is Bad Mama and welcome to my new podcast series, Influencer, where I go in search of some of the world's most unconventional social media influencers. And just like Influenza, they've gone viral. Their videos reach millions of views all around the world. I want to know where it started and where it's going to end. I've got the most bog-standard recording equipment. It's unscripted. I've no idea how to edit. So no matter what they say, it's going to have to go in. I've got kids running around behind me, a dog snoring in front of me, but it's better than homeschooling. So sit back, relax, maybe grab yourself a drink and enjoy these no-filter interviews. Was that all right? All right, I'll press stop. I'm going to go and top my glass up first. Well, I'm over the moon today because I get to talk to Emma Kenny. I've been watching her on telly for years. She is a TV psychologist. So when you see all these documentaries about wrong-uns that go and kill people and do disgusting things, she will come on and give her opinion of why she thinks they've done it, what drove them to it. And it's so interesting. I just find her absolutely fascinating. I guess this is kind of a two-parter interview, really, because although we do get onto the blood and the guts and gores and the murders and all things we find interesting, I really wanted to start with the media storm that she had caused last week. Emma had expressed some opinions that maybe were unpopular, didn't coincide with government regulations, but it came from a good place, a place of mental health. She's a massive mental health advocate, but in turn, that's perhaps got her cancelled, maybe lost her work. It has massively backfired and I wanted to give her a chance to perhaps explain what she meant and how she really feels about this current situation. This is so (laughs) exciting. Are you ready? Emma, it is so lovely to actually do this with you. I'm so very, very grateful. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, so how has lockdown been for you? How's it been going? I really haven't enjoyed it at all, I'm not going to lie. I think that just before lockdown, my dad died really months earlier and therefore it was just compounded by that whole experience. I just feel like many people are struggling now, I think, more than they were at the beginning. You know, the first lockdown, I think, it felt very connected. We were all in it together. It felt like there was a real common purpose. And now I think it's just been quite relentless. And I'm a really social person, as in I love seeing people. I love connecting with people. And I worry a lot about mental health and I worry so much about young people. So for me, it's kind of been one of those times where I've just got progressively more and more, I suppose, traumatised would be a word by what's happening because of the impact that I think it's having. People who have these underlying illnesses or sickness or mental health conditions are suffering the most oh, yeah. with lockdown. I mean, some people, I guess, if you've been in a situation where you've been furloughed and you've had maybe a year of not working and you're not worried about your job because you've still got one to go back to, and maybe you've had an opportunity to have a nice house and not really worry mm. about money, your stress relief might have got less, if that makes sense. So I completely understand yeah. if that's the case with some people. But then yeah. there's 3 million people who've had no money at all given to them. And then mm. you've got kids who've not maybe socialized as babies how they should be doing so we don't know how that's going to impact on development and then schools have started to look like very odd places as well just because of the changes you've got kids sitting in cold classrooms with windows open and everything that we knew has become unfamiliar and I really struggle with that because 
I'm somebody who just wants to be able to go out and be normal and take risks in the world. But I also understand that that now is a contentious issue because you're not allowed to, you can't. I haven't broken any rules, even though I feel like it goes against every part of who I am instinct wise to actually go out and just be free. I've actually almost gone the opposite. I've kind of got so stuck in not wanting to see the way the world's changed out there that I've kind of just stayed in. So equally, that's not great. You know what I mean? It's not a great situation to just be sitting inside and working inside and not getting to Mm. see the people that you care for. It's just really hard. I mean, I haven't seen my sister for months and months and months. You know, it's just been relentless. And I just think about kids in high-rise flats with abusive parents Uh, just losing out so horribly. And it just keeps me awake at night. It really does. And even me, I've been having some really weird times recently because I obviously speak about the fact that I don't think that lockdowns are healthy for us. And I think that they're doing more harm than good. But it's caused a huge backlash for me. You know, things getting Mm -hmm. put in the press that aren't true, getting threatened with stories all the time against me. And I'm sitting there going, all I've really tried to do throughout is help people. I don't want to hurt anybody. Yeah. The last thing on no. my mind is to harm somebody, but it's a constant and it's like waking up every day, finding yeah. out that somebody's going to write a fake story on you. And for me, I'm sitting there going, I don't recognize this world anymore. I don't think so many no. of us recognize this world anymore. Yeah. I mean, I was going to ask you about that because you've been really vocal about. <sighs> maybe this not being handled the lockdown the way you know it's maybe not being handled in the right way and you've been very vocal about that which I actually think is quite brave of you because people although they think it they don't want to put their careers on the line they don't want to be a target for press sort of thing and you've just turned around and said you know what I'm going to say what I think for the good of mental health for the good of people that maybe believe what I think but are too scared to speak out and are you are you still glad that you've done that or do you think shit I wish I never said anything now because you get you are getting quite targeted aren't you by the press and horrible um they've not taken it well have they I don't understand how me with my opinions have been so controversial to cause that kind of impact I don't get it at the end of the day my views on Twitter about the fact that I think that lockdowns are going to do more damage in the long term than they are good doesn't mean I want people to die of COVID it doesn't mean that I don't think a COVID death is important me recognizing that actually other people are dying of other things isn't trying to insult people who are dying of COVID it's just Mm -hmm. trying to bring that into light because if we're not talking about that stuff collateral wise Mm -hmm. and when we start to see the fallout what would I be saying about myself if I'd said, well, I've stayed silent when everybody can see that there hasn't been a cost versus benefits analysis done on this potentially. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that when you look at what who have said about lockdowns doing a lot more damage than good, because we didn't lock down at the very beginning, I don't even want to blame the government that much because I just think it is a really unenviable position. I think Boris was going to go down the Swedish route I think that that was potentially something that he got a lot of negativity initially for. So then he bolted and went back and decided, right, let's lock down now. But it was too late. And from there, we've just kind of been repeating this cycle. Mm -hmm. When I talk out, 
I'm always shocked that it basically gets me cancelled because that's what happens. You get cancelled. You just get cancelled because you're not saying that the government's great. And you may be saying to people, social isolation is really bad for humans. Or, you know, I've done ironic tweets that have then been taken literally. I mean, nobody tweets the prime minister and says, if you don't give me the evidence that tears are working scientifically, I'll throw a party and take cake for my 82-year-old neighbour. You're not actually going to do it. It's quite obvious to dig at the fact that you've not given us any evidence for this. But then that gets printed as if it's a fact. Yeah. So what what is it that you would like to see? What do you feel would be a better solution for this? I guess that I'd have loved a while ago for targeted protection to have occurred. So people who really were needing shielding and felt very scared could have been paid really well to stay at home and then let other people get back to work because of the fact that then we would have had a better chance of keeping the economy going, which would then hopefully have prevented the mass unemployment that's going to happen because that's yeah. going to add stress. And as soon as you add stress, you see increases in domestic homicide, domestic abuse, alcoholism, mm. eating disorders, and a whole range of other problems. So it's never been that I want anyone to have any issues in their life. It's quite the contrary. I've done all my free sessions throughout this pandemic have been because I know people are desperate. But even that gets me hassle because... Oh, does it really? Why? I don't know. I just think that I've obviously rubbed people up the wrong way because of the fact that I talk so much about mental health and I refuse to kind of be quiet. But the way that they manage then to do it is to cause you as many problems with your mainstream work. So I've learned Mm. that I could have done very well through this pandemic if I could have been quiet and just nodded in the right places and agreed with what the government said and refused to discuss mental health aside from, oh, this is what we all have to deal with. Buckle up and deal with it. I just Mm -hmm. can't do it because... No. It would mean that I was going against all the research that the NHS have on social isolation being massively damaging for you. It would go against what I believe is safeguarding children, which is to keep them safe from harm, abuse and neglect. And I don't think we are doing. So it's not that I want to speak out. People probably think I'm quite confident and ballsy. I'm not. I'm actually kind of scared to death most of the time. I spend a lot of my life at the moment really scared and that's how I describe it just really scared and scared or anxious yeah I mean scared just because you know every single time I put something out now you can Mm. see that it's getting analyzed and ripped to shreds and anything I say people are coming for me on it and it's relentless so it's become almost a situation where you're just constantly dealing with what I consider kind of like harassment, but you can't do anything about it. And it's... Yeah, but on the flip side, I think it's it's made you a little bit iconic. And there's a, li- there's a massive bunch of people that have suddenly woken up to Emma Kenny and want to know what you've got to say. And, and do you not find that suddenly you've got a lot more following and a lot 
more views and people are taking real interest in what you've got to say there's like a flip side of it as well I love the fact that people feel that they're being listened to and that I'm making them feel that they're not alone but I found it very difficult losing money and not being able to earn because of the fact that Mm -hmm. my views are considered controversial which they're not I mean they're not controversial at all Making the papers last week was really painful for me because it highlighted things that firstly weren't true, but then put in tweets, for example, that just were totally out of context. And it ignores everything you've done that's positive and just tries to destroy you. And it's the opposite of what I'm like in life. Like I, even on my Twitter... I don't get into fights with people. And even when people have broken the rules, particular individuals who are very outspoken about how we should all follow them, I still don't get involved in that. I don't get involved in trying to cause more harm for people. It just isn't my nature. So it's been really difficult because you're constantly just blindsided by what people see and people read that stuff and then believe it. So it's almost like, as much as I've got a nice following and they're my cyber family and I really want to protect and love and care for them, 55 million people last week saw stuff that wasn't true. That's mm. how it worked. So you kind of sitting there going, all right, so what does that mean? I mean, yeah. what is my controversial position that I think that maybe we're going to really mess up mental health, that maybe we're going to blow a bigger hole into poverty why is that bad? I think it was more the let's not wear masks and, and you know, these sort of things that, you know, people have such strong opinions about it when sometimes they're not even factual opinions. But, you know, and there's a lot of sheep out there and there's also people that believe fake news and everything. And I think when you make such a strong statement you're either going to be loved for it or hated for it. Yeah. I mean, even the mask stuff, though, is to do with science. It's not to do with me and having an opinion. It's that young children shouldn't have to wear masks because developmentally it's poor for them to Mm -hmm. actually deal with developing. They need to see faces. We know that. So, Mm -hmm. again, it's never that I'm being controversial. It's only what's actually evidence-based, if that makes sense. I would never come out and say things that weren't evidence-based. And... I guess that's one of the things that I've learned this year is cancel culture is real. It really is. Like, I don't think that anybody should get cancelled unless they're being really hateful. If you're really hateful, I think you probably need to be taken to task. But then if you learn, you should still be given an option to grow. Mm -hmm. I don't get cancel culture at all. I mean, it's there and it's happening, but I don't get it. And the thing is as well, I've realized that truth doesn't have to be truth anymore. It can just be whatever people want to make up about you. And also the other side of it is they even referred to me as anti-vax. I'm not anti-vaccine at all. I'm pro-choice. Oh, you're not? Pro-choice. No, I did see that. Yeah, Yeah, I did see. Pro-choice. No, my kids are vaccinated. Never have a problem. Then do I have an issue with a woman or a man who says that they are anti-vax? No. I don't. I don't feel like no. I have a right to make decisions for other people. I'm just not pro-mandated vaccines. I was brought up on the Nuremberg Code. 
I just believe we had to learn and respect what happened in World War II. And therefore, I'm not going to think that it's ever acceptable to forcibly make somebody have a vaccine. That's all. It doesn't Mm. matter where anybody else's views are. They're entitled to theirs. That's just mine. But again, they said I was anti-vax. But I want to get onto something now that is just something I really really love because I didn't know you were on Instagram but I've been following you a while on Twitter on my personal account and um I've noticed you've got the the new YouTube series and your following is just growing and growing and growing <sighs> you've started this new series true crime yeah it? yeah yeah but I want to just go back a little bit so Emma has basically got me through lockdown I've been watching all the documentary <laughs> reruns you're a well what is your your title what is it that you do TV I'm TV psychologist so, but a registered TV psychologist but I'm registered like psychological therapist that's the kind of one yeah. I use outside of TV yeah but yeah. I'm known as a TV psychologist yeah yeah so you're the one if there's a murder documentary you're the one that explains maybe what happened in their upbringing, the murder's upbringing and and works out their patterns, their life patterns and what drives people to kill basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My my assumptions and obviously the research. Yeah, yeah. from your point of view. Yeah, of course. um, Which is quite an educated point of view as well and everything you say makes sense. And I just, I don't know what it is. Maybe you can explain this to me, but I really find relaxing with a good homicide gives me a good night's sleep. What is it about that when I go to bed and I think, oh, I could really do with a good murder tonight. Let me just stick Emma on and find out who's (laughs) just caused a mass murder recently. What is, why, why do we do this? I think one of the main reasons is because for most of us, we know that we just have absolutely no inclination to be able to empathize with an individual who kills. So it's almost like vicariously experiencing an area of your world that you would never venture to. And it's also a confirming experience where you know that the empathy that you feel for victims and the way that you want to see justice play out plays out. So it's kind of that mm-hmm. perfect situation where even though, yes, you're watching something about basically somebody's end which is awful but usually what I think is great about crime shows is they tend to give that person legacy so the person who's killed you have real care for them you want their justice to be met and also you want to understand what on earth it is within that human being who actually goes ahead and kills particularly serial killers for example Mm -hmm. because it's as far away from you And it's as far away from anything you do. And it's also quite evocative. So I think it's unusual that you can watch something where you will feel anger and rage and sadness and also justice and all the kind of really powerful feelings because you go on that journey and you want so badly at the end of that journey to make sure that the person who did what they did is brought to justice and that somehow there is a legacy of the person who was lost. And I guess the other thing is it's interesting because there will be certain things within killers that you'll sometimes think, actually, I've met people with certain elements of that (laughs) nature. And it shows you that actually there are people in our whole neighborhoods who have capacities that we could never connect with. And I also think one of the most powerful things is a lot of people who find themselves in abusive relationships and coercive control relationships or in physically abusive relationships, they watch crime shows and it's amazing how many messages I get off them saying, oh my God, I've just 
watched my potential future play out and I'm getting out of this relationship. And we often don't, we often believe in hope and we're told hope's important and it is in many ways, but it can be your biggest enemy. Hope can be your biggest enemy. Hope is why women are killed in domestic homicide because they're always hoping that their partner will change. They're always believing that their partner has got the capacity that they have. And this Mm -hmm. misrepresentation and misunderstanding that another human being sees the world the same way as you is always the biggest myth. If somebody acts in a way that goes completely against the way you act, it's because they're not anything like you. So therefore don't believe that they won't end up doing something awful. So I think it brings that into sharp focus as well. Yeah, and I think love as well. Love can, they say love is blind. And it really is. Yeah. Because you, you, you know, you see all these partners of serial killers yeah. and people that do horrible things are just like oh well, I didn't know yeah. I didn't I, you just said he was going down the shop like <laughs> yeah. she's so stupid yeah and you think is that love did they know no surely they must have known they must have known like are they really blagging I is think- there a world where people partners actually don't have a clue like the woman what's his name Fritzel yeah how the hell does she not know? Yeah, well, but there was a whole family yeah. under the stairs. I mean, same when you look at John Wayne Gacy. He was just somebody who was married. You know, he had decent relationships with people in the local area, also murdered mm. children. You know, these people are within our societies. And the main reason why people don't know is if you don't have a conscience about what you're doing is wrong, then you act completely normally. So it's That's true. the problem is that, you know, I'm a great husband and I also go and murder prostitutes. But because the murdering <laughs> of prostitutes feels like so okay. Like a day's like a day's work. Absolutely. Nine to five. You can just act completely normally. And now some serial killers we see start to slip, I would say, more into the realms of insanity, or to some degree, they become messy because it starts to be a little bit overwhelming their behavior starts to suddenly be something that they are very aware is going to catch up with them you know Nielsen for example you're not being that clever when you're putting chunks of body into the sewers near you because it's going to smell and you're not going to store bodies in the house because it's going to become problematic but it takes time for them to slide that way so for a long period of time they're just operating in the way that they want to and I think that A lot of serial killers, for example, they have this perfect fantasy and they can never achieve it because the actual reality is people are unpredictable. So even if you've got this absolutely perfect idea of what your perfect crime will be, it's never going to reach it. So you're always looking for the next one. And even today, with all of our amazing technology and security and people being filmed on cctv everywhere it's definitely getting harder to do those kind of crimes and oh, especially in lockdown yeah it's the really good no, what, well, what, how are they homicide, coping domestic homicide's gone through the roof so we know that people are killing but partners more than and i can believe that, that mm. honestly i i just can't begin to imagine how bad that could get now where there's nowhere to run. But they've said, haven't they, recently in the law, they've said that yes. if you are in danger of your life, you are allowed to just run, 
run as fast as you can yeah. out your house grab your grab your kids and go yeah and you will not be prosecuted you will not be no fined it's yeah. perfectly legal compassionate grounds God. yeah and rightfully yes. so and that's the same with safeguarding so if you're like mentally feeling very unstable you can go and go and see somebody but excuse me we make we need we need to advertise that a little bit more because i don't think yeah you're aware of it people don't often go no. guidance but it is there it's what i advertise all the time it's so important that you get out i need to shut the back door sorry emma fine the dog's come in and he's not shut the door behind him <laughs> But you're a mum, aren't you? Yeah, so I've got two boys. two boys. Two boys. Two boys. How old are they? 18 and 16. 18? Yeah, 18 and 16. One, eight? Yeah. Oh, my God. I thought you had little boys. He's driving. He's driving. He's oh like, my yeah, God. girlfriend's living with him in our house because obviously they had to make a choice to do that when we locked down. So it's lovely. I've got like an extra member. It's like the dream where everybody just stays at home. That's what I want. Everybody just to stay at home. I know. Great. I'm glad about the crime channel. I'm trying to do more of that stuff because I've always felt like, uh, I don't know, like I don't really have a right. I've always been a bit like that. I've always felt like I was really lucky getting on TV to do psychology, write for Close the mm-hmm. Magazine, all of that. It's always been a surprise to me. But doing YouTube is something I really enjoy because on YouTube, I can just say what I think. And just have those yeah. conversations without feeling that I'm being policed. And when I do yeah. lives, I'm having fun. You know, I have fun yeah. in my lives because it makes me exactly. feel like I can just be me. Well, Emma, let me talk to you a little bit about, because I've written down some questions here that I really do need the answers yeah. for. <laughs> because I've waited for so long for this moment. And I was so surprised that you did turn around and go, yeah, sure. And I was like, what, really? Yeah, of course. <laughs> really? Oh, because what I want to know, I see you talk about so much to do with other people and their lives and everything. But I want to know a little bit about where the criminal psychology started for you and where you decided one day I'm just going to investigate people that do the most horrific things because I find it very interesting what was the point where you thought right I want to do this for the rest of my life I think that the main emphasis emphasis for me was that I did victimology so I would constantly in my career work with people who'd been sexually abused victims of knife crime people involved in gangs I also worked in crime projects with young offenders so young offenders often have had some pretty horrible lives right so even though on tv it's very black and white there's good there's bad okay I come from the gray area where actually people in prison have often had pretty horrific experiences. In fact, there was a statistic that suggested that 70% of males in prison had experienced sexual abuse as children. So there is a different story, which is why I've done the YouTube channel, actually, because I want to start being able to do that more nuanced experience of, okay, this person did real evil things, and this is the experience and contributory factors It never means that that person should still have made a choice. But what I'm saying is, until we understand what makes offenders, we can't really do anything to knock that offending off track. So part of it was the fact that I was always working with victims. And then when I started working with young offenders, it gave me a new insight into maybe what we need to change in our society so that those individuals Mm. don't end up in the system. And then because I used to talk about that openly and I did some ethics behind scenes for some documentaries, excuse me, 
<coughs> so I was asked to do some ethics for some doc documentaries this there ended up with me doing a BBC series wasn't on crime but from that a guy basically looked into my past looked at my presenting on the BBC show got in touch with me and was like I've got this opportunity to do a crime show Britain's Darkest Taboos is 150 quid a fee that was it for up to quid. And uh, it went That's on. That's my beer money. <laughs> went, on seven, went on for seven seasons and was really successful. But it was brilliant because I got to meet Dr. Kerry Nixon, who's a really good friend of mine now, a forensic psychologist. And I was given, excuse me, I keep yawning. And I was given loads of freedom, I think, to just say what I thought. So I didn't have to be like, this is the peer-reviewed study that would agree with me. It was more of a, what does my human condition say about mm. this situation? And I think that I'm quite analytical. So I like mm. to get beneath the skin. And then when yeah. that happened, it just never ended. And because crime is something that affects me like it affects you, I just can't help wanting to dig deep to know mm -hmm. what could it be that motivated this person? You know, is it just down to this fact that this human being was born with this particular genetic code or were mm -hmm. there activating factors? And if there are activating factors, how can we as a society learn to inform ourselves more so that those activations don't occur? How is it that one person is a psychopath but goes and leads a corporate body like a bank and another murders somebody? What were the differences in those experiences that took one into a successful position and one into prison? They will always be questions that fundamentally I'm seeking to get some answers on. I interest you. It's really interesting when you look at the mm. fact that most people with horrible lives are nice people, right? So that's the way it goes. Most people with horrible lives, awful experiences, end up really decent humans. Yet equally, somebody can go through those experiences and use those feelings against other human beings perpetuating mm -hmm. a cycle of negativity. And I'm kind of interested in the people who don't do it as much as I am interested in the people who do do it, because it's like, what is it that makes one go in one direction and one go in another one? And so there's always a constant questioning. And even now, as we start looking at brain scans of killers, particularly serial killers, and we're seeing that there are these differences so there's certain areas of the brain that are smaller or more enlarged. But I'm interested to see whether, if you compare that to the general population, is there still cases where people have those same things and still don't do anything bad? You have to kind of look at that. And as we get more introverted, intro opportunities with the brain and to scan the brain and to look into it, I think that we'll learn more about that. And then I'm thinking about AI and the fact that they're, at some point believing that they're gonna be able to know what people are thinking before they're necessarily doing the things they're thinking. In which case there's this new evolution of, well, will crime be prevented? Because people who have thoughts about crime will essentially 
be seen to have those thoughts and what would that oh no be? i'm gonna get nicked for opening in a bag of crisps as i walk down tesco's it would, <laughs> you know when you go around the aisles absolutely. and you just open a packet of crisps you just have a couple yeah yeah but i'd be <laughs> i'd be like that because you know when somebody annoys me i might set them on head on fire in my head i'm not really gonna do it the thought please start really getting me i'm gonna be banged up without a doubt but it's those oh god things. i didn't even think of those yeah, thoughts you know you think about those thoughts well like if i had a gun now you wouldn't really do it but your thoughts that's it jail could you imagine the headlines? Oh, I Finally, can imagine Finally, we've it, locked yeah. her up. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that that's going to come around at some point from what I've heard. We knew she was a psycho. Yeah, exactly. It's like I spent the past 14 years doing what I do, but if you tweet something that doesn't go with the grain, you can get yourself ruined. I know. They must, they must at least appreciate that you have a level of intelligence to know what you're saying. You know, they, yeah. they just take it so out of context. Exactly. Well, I think that is the nature now of the way the world yeah. works without a doubt is there a is there a point or ever been a case where you've thought do you know what this this person is an absolute psycho evil evil evil, evil but i quite like him <laughs> you know like how they glamorized bronson mm. although we didn't really kill anyone did he but you know they, they do that in films like the ted bundy i thought it was great Obviously, in real life, if I ever met him, that is his name, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. If I ever met him in real life, obviously, I'd feel different. But is there any anyone you've actually assessed and thought, you know, you're crazy, batshit crazy, but there's something about you that I think is quite cool? I think that if you look at somebody like Chris Watts, who's murdered his two daughters, unborn baby and wife recently in the States what's oh my god striking yes about him is that i think he is the new breed of psychopath where i've never seen anything like it emma he's ingested so much from watching documentaries and all these great netflix programs where he's kind of been able to model empathy and figure out almost seeming to be a really nice guy but actually isn't a nice guy and had the capacity to murder all those people that were so innocent. Like there's one thing, killing your wife, an unborn child, Mm. the other to go and then murder your little girls and to do it in the way that he did and then dispose of the bodies how he did and then just get on with his day. When I watched that, I think what's really odd, I've watched his interviews during interrogation I've watched them when they visited him in prison because they don't understand because he stands out massively. He doesn't seem to fit what we would expect to see. Why is that? Well, he says it's because he felt taken over, almost possessed, but then that's a very easy way of displacing blame. Like, this was not my normal character. I was consumed by this dark force. I acted in this way and now I found God which is what he says. Oh, he's found God now, is he? But also what's been staggering for me with that case is that people are defensive of him. So people blame her. She was too controlling. She was too domineering. She was too higher expectations. Oh, bloody hell, we'd all be dead if that was the case. But what you're saying (laughs) is true about when you talked about Bundy, if somebody doesn't look, like the archetypal individual. Fred West looks like somebody who would bludgeon you over the head. He does. <laughs> he does. Yeah. He, he does. Has that yeah. Look. 
Well, he did at least have quite severe head injuries, which we know do have impacts on him. Wasn't he quite a sweet man, though? Very gently spoken and... I mean, the thing about Chris Watts was that he was somebody who arguably seemed to be quite a decent human being, came from a decent Mm. household and now still has a great deal of respect from people. Like they get inundated with letters from women who just want to... I don't get it. Oh, really? They want to marry him? Well, they all want to marry serial killers, don't they? I mean, I think it's that perfect. I'm not that that bad. No, that kind of a relationship. (laughs) You know, they're never going to cheat on you, are they? They're always going to... No, because they just kill you. Yeah, well, yeah. They're never never getting out, fortunately. So the point is, I think that women who maybe have had difficult lives, you know, you're always going to have somebody devoted to you because they are going to want to write to you. It's the only thing that keeps them going. So yeah, I would say that people like Chris Watts interest me at the moment because of the fact I think he's a new new breed of serial killer. He is. Yeah. He is a new breed. I've watched many, many, many documentaries. I don't think there's many that I haven't watched. Um, and he was one that I sat back and went, wow, I, my brain cannot comprehend this behavior. The ev- yeah. Every move he made was confusing. Okay, he killed his kids, yeah. Killers kill their kids all the time. It happens all the time. But there was always a little addition, wasn't there, that was confusing, like throwing them in the water tank. Yes. And it's like, okay, you're, you're adding the extras. You're putting the extras in there that are a little bit more out of the norm than what I'm used to in my normal documentaries. Yes. Yeah, and his <laughs> daughter was asking him, you're not going to do to me what you've just done to my sister. Oh, it was too much. It was too much. That I'd have to say that was a documentary that I, I didn't enjoy. No, no. It was one of those where it, was too it felt much. very real because there was so much footage of their life together as well because yes. he really did video a lot of the things that she was doing and she loved him and she was absolutely grateful to this man. And uh, all the time he's starting to move away from her because he's having an affair. But it's the bit in your head where you go, okay, I can understand that you'd get the insurance. So therefore your financial concerns would be over. But I'm sorry, I cannot compute why you would murder your little kids. Like, even if you hated your wife and you Mm. wanted to murder her, how do you ever think well I'll just take the kids as well that's the well I assumed through my non-educated brain but from watching many documentaries I assumed that the both kids must have witnessed it and I and tell me if I'm wrong I thought that maybe at the time he said he killed her that's not when he killed her I, Mm. I think maybe that night as soon as she got in the kids were awake too many witnesses I don't believe it was in the morning, like he mm. said. But these are just my brain working overtime. But I, I just think that that's the only reason you would kill your children is if they saw it. Or you are completely insane. Well, he had like sex with her the night that she got back. So they actually had sex. But did, could they prove that? Well, I would imagine they might have been able to prove it because they found her very quickly. Oh, yeah. And arguably that would have been some tests that they would have done. And then in the morning he woke up and told her that it was over. And the hardest bit is apparently she didn't fight back. She just looked at him like almost as if she was expecting it. (laughs) 
that's you... another extra isn't it another extra little added yeah. bit of information yeah. that screws your brain up. and the children asked what was wrong with it, the mum and yeah. you know then he wrapped her up in a carpet and then took her outside and the kids had her lay at the bottom of the car oh, it was bizarre and you know he... it, it, it was just hitting and hitting exactly. and hitting and it weren't stopping it's like please I can't take anymore no. and it just come and yeah. come and come exactly yeah yeah no I think I'd have to agree with you there I think that is yeah that's the top yeah top it really is it really is I mean there's been loads of scary anybody who kills multiple people you look at the night stalker Richard Ramirez and you imagine just being in your home and then some guy just breaks into your home and mercilessly attacks you, you know, rapes you, kills you. And you're sitting there thinking to yourself, what compels somebody? Firstly, to think of that, no matter what abusive things he was shown when he was a young man, what appeals to you to not just go into somebody's home but to actually rape and terrify them and even put things up that were quite devil orientated, worship wise. And you're yeah, yeah, yeah. sitting there imagining that you think a human being is so expendable. Like yeah. most of us know that a human being is just something that is this nucleus of connection with other human beings of great mm-hmm. meaning. Mm-hmm. And when yeah. you eradicate that person, the ramifications are just distressing beyond belief forever. It's incredulous to me that people yeah. do that, you know? They're, no, you just can't get your head around it. And people wonder why I've had a pit bull for 19 yeah, years. Yeah, good idea. Good idea. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what good it'd be now, but yeah, I definitely felt safe for the majority of my 20s. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So do you think, Emma, do you think that... Um, Do you think people are born evil? You know, I often debate this. So I think that nature and nurture genuinely do play an equal role in life. I think you can be born with, for example, incredibly resilient DNA, and then you can have a lot of knocks in your life, but you'll still manage to make it through because of that DNA. And if you get the best opportunity surrounded by love and with that DNA you'll probably go on to do just incredible things because that's the way that your nature and nurture can impact so one way you'll still be resilient but you may have more kicks that don't get you quite as far as the person born into the family that's thriving Mm. when it comes down to psychopathy I do have a little bit of a theory which is evolution is this an exclusive well this is just like my idea (laughs) and it's not at all verified in science and there will not be an yeah but it's emma it's emma kenny verified it won't be a peer-reviewed study on this this is just my idea (laughs) but my genuine idea is that evolution is such that our brains and our bodies develop over periods of time and you know humans haven't done massive evolutionary shifts you know maybe we're seeing them now a little bit with the AI experience and I'm sure there'll be some shifts there but for millions of years psychopathic behavior would not have been that bad a deal for people in your tribe if you had people with purpose and role 
whose job it was to protect and go out and kill other tribe members, but didn't have the conscience that then destroyed them, they would be very useful. When you were a king, you would want psychopaths around your table because if you paid them well, valued them, but also appreciated them going and killing people for you, then arguably you would be great at that. And as long as mm. you were getting a good deal, you're very likely to not kill your king, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I think there was a place for psychopaths and therefore on a so genetic level. Are you level, saying we've wiped out a species of We've humans. kind of wiped out, the, <laughs> we've wiped out the use for them. That's the deal. The problem is we've wiped right. out the use for them, but the problem is they're still going to potentially from time to time arrive. Now, these days, there are lots of options for people who are psychopathic to do decent jobs in their life, like run organizations and be pretty ruthless in business. Narcissist. Get Yeah, if you get that additional issue where you're brought up in a family which maybe isn't healthy and isn't helpful or you're exposed to things at a young age that make you have certain sexual predilections and you have the genetic code of potential, then I think there's definitely some potential that you are born with but then activated by that would be something. Because to all intents and purposes, Ted Bundy shouldn't have turned into a killer. He should have been a lawyer. He was training as a lawyer, but he ended up killing people. So you can see that even there, there was a conflict. He wanted power and leadership, but he ended up with this other area that was this compulsion to kill. So it's almost like they get activated. Yeah, I think there's an activation, yeah. Yeah. And also some people do get serious head injuries, and we've seen that. Serious head injuries can definitely create impulse control. Absolutely, impulse control can be a problem. So, again, it's about understanding more what is going on for people internal working-wise. It shouldn't be guesswork Mm -hmm. because we have the access to be able to brain scan. And, you know, in America, they've been able to look at people with conduct disorder, which would be something that could potentially lead to psychopathy in younger people. And actually they've found things like biofeedback being really helpful and compassion training. So they're even finding ways now by looking at the brain and looking at areas of the brain that need to be stimulated in a more positive way to deal with impulse control, that you have a potential to change the way somebody acts and operates. So maybe in time, we'll have a better understanding of that. Yeah. Then what would you do? You'd be out of a job. I'd be okay with that. As long as as people weren't getting murdered, I'd be okay with that. I'm probably probably going to be out of a job anyway soon. (laughs) No, you won't. So do you think... Somebody that obsessively watches murdering documentaries and is a bit obsessed with murderers and is very interested in the whys and the ifs and the buts, do you think that that person could develop into a serial killer one day or they're just very nosy? I think that they're very nosy. (laughs) And I think that they're almost in, I'd say even more than that, I think they are high empaths. I think that they are stunned by the fact that people can act so reprehensibly. And I think that it's that that keeps you coming back because you're like, no, how does this happen? Why does this happen? And also because human beings, we attach ourselves to more negative things than we do positive things. So it's a reinforcing cycle where you kind of want to do it, even though you know it's scary and sad and traumatizing at times, it pulls you back. 
And most of that is because it's a constant reminder that you are not that person. Mm -hmm. You are not, you are a good person. It's a generally reinforcing position. I think you're right because sometimes I think, do you know what? I want to kill my neighbours. And then I watch these documentaries and I go, nah, I couldn't do that. So I think you're right. I think I regularly (laughs) refer to myself that I'm not a serial killer. I do try to understand, you know, I work with very violent young men, for example, and I listen to them, you know, and I try to understand, but there'll always be this part of my brain that kind of looks and thinks it just is not something that I can compute at all. No. It's so, so strange, but also so common in so many ways. Is there anyone that you would love to profile that you haven't quite got your hands on yet? There's loads I'd like to do at the moment, but... I think if I'm going to cover somebody next, even though it's not crime as in murder, I think I'm going to do Jimmy Savile. Wow. I just feel that it was somebody that was brought up for me because of my childhood, you know, yep. Jim will fix yes. it. It was absolutely massive, but also because I think that he was so open about his abuse and it doesn't just symbolise the fact that he had that complete psychopathic narcissistic ability to believe that he was in charge of whatever he wanted. He was untouchable. He could do what he wanted. It was the complicity that I saw in those around him that really, really surprised me when I started to really look at it. So I've just started that. I think I'm going to do it next because it's powerful watching how this man was so out in the open. Mm-hmm. He managed to go and visit Broadmoor. He managed oh, to spend God, time with yeah. the Yorkshire River. Yes. He managed to be left alone in wards with children with disabilities. This is a man who was able to navigate and negotiate access places he should never have been given. And that takes complicity. Yeah. So I would like to analyze how that complicity is offered shall we yeah. say and why it got so far. yeah diane downs who killed her children yeah, i watched that last night your episode of that that was brilliant by the she way she is supported you know still by half of her family <laughs> supported by half of her family and yet you watch her and it's so obvious that she did it not because of the fact that they've got all the evidence put that aside you don't act that way because <laughs> no. nobody does. If anyone gets a chance to watch this episode with, um, what's yeah. her name? Diane Downs. Diane, Diane Downs. Downs. Yeah. It is absolutely my, I think you've taken the best clips from that whole yeah. time and played them and you just think, wow, she is crazy. Your episode was easily my number two of the most messed up things I've ever watched. Chris Watts being one, she is definitely number two, not just because of what she did and how she lied, but I think mums and kids have this unreal oh, bond. And yeah. like, if, how, yeah. how could you do that? It's insane. So what's next for you, Emma? Um, at the moment, I don't really know. I'm not going to lie. I'm just going to carry on with my YouTube series. Um, I'm still writing for Closer magazine, so I'm hoping that's going to continue. I've contracted to this morning for another year, which will be lovely as long as get on there. Let's see. Um, (laughs) As long as you can keep your gob shut. (laughs) Well, I'm waiting to see what other stuff's going to come out in the press. I imagine stuff will do because they're just going for me all the time. And I guess I'm still going to just keep on doing what I got to do, which is to highlight mental health and children's rights. Yes. 
I'm not going to be able to do anything but that because in the end, it's going to get called into question mm -hmm. on a monumental level. And I want to know that right at the beginning, I was saying that yeah. because all life, it matters, but it doesn't feel that way right now. You're brilliant for what you do. So true crime, Thank everyone you. needs to catch that. What days is that out? Sunday, 7 p.m. It comes out every week. On YouTube. Get Chris, Chris Watts this week. So. so let's do this again and let's have a review. Anytime. <laughs> anytime you want. Thank you so much. Anytime. And thank hubby. Take care, gorgeous. I will. I'll make sure he sends this to you as well on my side, all right? Bye, gorgeous. Bye. Bye, hubby. Bye. Bye.